Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today's episode of SFF yeah is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders, the digital hangout spot for the Book Riot community. Live your best bookish life with the updated perks at Book Riot Insiders. We've sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new epic level. And you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read available to all Epic members. And there's no cap on Epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge and cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and all the other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com. Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 74. We're recording on March 6th. I'm Sharifa Williams, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. And today, we are talking about urban sci-fi and fantasy. Huzzah! Huzzah! I'm very excited to talk about this one. There are actually quite a lot of books. This is one of those times where I did not have so much difficulty actually finding (laughs) what I needed. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, do I know any urban sci-fi books? And then the answer immediately was yes. (laughs) Like, I absolutely (laughs) do. So, but it's not like a category, I don't think, the way that urban fantasy is, or at least people don't talk about it the same way. But it totally could be slash should be. I know. This is one of, like, I usually have a lot more fantasy book recommendations, Mm -hmm. and this is one of those rare occasions where once I realized, like, I thought about urban science fiction, I was like, wow, I've I've actually read a lot of urban sci-fi, maybe even more than fantasy. So, yeah, I totally agree, though, that all I hear about ever is urban fantasy, so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Now I'm, like, thinking about, like, why? Why is that? I don't know. What is it about? Does it just have a better ring to it? Yeah. (laughs) Or is it that urban sci-fi, like, there's different kinds of things going on in urban sci-fi than there are, that, like, that the urbanness of it is not the defining feature, maybe? I don't know, though. It feels like it could be. Like, why not? So... Yeah, like uh, this isn't on any of our lists, but like Warcross, yeah, I consider that urban sci-fi, totally. but I've never heard it described as that. So. No, maybe we'll start a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first. Urban sci-fi, it's a thing. <laughs> Just give us the credit, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk about a sponsor and then some news, shall we? Yes. Today's sponsor is House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Moss, sponsored by Bloomsbury USA. And this is the start of a new epic fantasy series, an adult epic fantasy series from New York Times bestselling author Sarah J. Moss, who I don't think needs like any introduction. <laughs> Pretty sure y'all know who Sarah J. Moss is. Uh, and the book is on sale now as of March 3rd, and it is about Bryce Quinlan and Hunt Athalar. 
Bryce has had the perfect life until a demon murders her closest friends, leaving her bereft, wounded, and alone. And Hunt is an enslaved fallen angel tasked only with killing those he's told to, no questions asked, but with a demon wreaking havoc in the city. Oh! city it's urban (laughs) sorry sorry uh all right so hunt is offered an irresistible deal help bryce find the murderer and gain his freedom so as they dig deep into crescent city's underbelly they uncover a dark power that threatens everything they hold dear and discover a blazing passion one that could set them both free if they'd only let it so again that is house of earth and blood by sarah j moss it's out now and the publisher is bloomsbury usa thanks for sponsoring. Okay, let's see. Our first thing that I want to talk about, I think we both want to talk about, is mm-hmm. Amazon picking up the adaptation of Dawn by Octavia Butler. Yes, that is super uh, exciting. It is bittersweet for me because once again, Amazon <laughs> is oh, no, swooping right. up all of these properties <laughs> that I am not going to be able to resist watching so i'm gonna have to give them money which is like not my favorite but listen i cannot first of all i mean we knew that this was in the works right but Mm -hmm. i don't it has only recently been acquired by amazon so and i think this is new victoria mahoney uh who is was um i know her mostly as the second unit director on star wars rise of skywalker she is going to be the creator and will adapt and direct the pilot which is awesome and i do not know how they are gonna i mean this story is so complicated and dark and weird and the aliens have all their tentacles and like it's gonna be really interesting to see how they decide to shoot this right like i just it's hard to imagine yeah well dawn is one of the octavia butler books i have not read oh so i know about it and i kind of know like the premise of it Mm -hmm. and when you read about the the description of it in um this this article or if you look up the book anywhere really you can see that it is kind of like a horrifying prospect of an alien race coming to um earth and having a sort of non-consensual you have to breed with us sort of system going on Mm -hmm. and now that you're talking about like like the whole thing just sounds horrifying to me so (laughs) (laughs) it's a rough read i mean it's really good but like anything octavia butler ever wrote it's rough and you know it is very deeply concerned with this question of like what is coercion and Mm -hmm. what does it mean to have choice and consent in situations where like there kind of really isn't a choice it's really y'all it's it's heavy (laughs) i highly recommend it's a trilogy xenogenesis is the name of the trilogy and dawn is the first one and Lilith is an amazing character, but it only gets like honestly the the questions of consent and coercion only get murkier as the trilogy goes on. And because she's Octavia Butler, she handles it beautifully. But like, whew, it's a it's a it's, a, it's going to be rough. It's going to be hard. I think it will be really interesting to see how they do it. But I mean, it's Ava DuVernay's company, and Victoria mm-hmm. Mahoney is a woman of color, so it feels like we're off to a good start. Yeah, I think so. If I don't know if I think I would have been a lot more wary if if anybody else probably was taking this project on, but I think I feel really confident knowing these women are behind 
the adaptation. And it also will probably help that I tend to, for whatever reason, prefer film adaptations. But I think in terms of like a big epic series of the likes of Octavia Butler's work, she always has so much going on. Mm. I do not see how they would have been able to dive into a story like this without it being a series. So I hope that the pilot takes off and that this does become a thing um, and that they have enough episodes to really dive into some of those big questions that are obviously present in this story and that they get to handle it with as much care as Octavia Butler herself did. Yes. I have nothing else to add. (laughs) Agree. (laughs) So we'll see. I will definitely be watching this. Um, I am really excited to hear about the air date once that happens. And... I will probably have opinions after. Yeah. <laughs> who knows how long it's going to go on, though. So. I'm really dying to see who they're going to cast as Lilith. I like have so many half thoughts about that. I know we should totally. Once I actually read the book, which mm. I should probably do soon, <laughs> I would totally be up for like trying to do some sort of fan casting. Yes, yes, excellent. Yeah. Okay, well, I definitely want to talk about, this is like sort of tangentially related to science fiction and fantasy, but you know what? Goth stuff is basically fantasy. (laughs) Agree, agree. (laughs) So, Jen, you were actually the one who brought this to my attention, and I could not have been more delighted. There is a 30-year-old goth that is trying to become a Hot Topic ambassador, I don't know if everybody has a Hot Topic in their town, but Hot Topic is generally like this mall store that sells all sorts of like goth and emo products, including clothing. And so they're looking for these brand ambassadors that will promote Hot Topic uh, products and also possibly get a line of their own. So (laughs) Vera Drew produced this. It actually, to me, is pretty high production. Mm -hmm. Produced a whole video on YouTube where she's promoting herself as a brand ambassador, trying to become a brand ambassador for Hot Topic. She's obviously very very into hot topic (laughs) (laughs) and i was just like sitting here watching this youtube video completely delighted because i used to love those like public broadcasting channel ridiculous funny subversive shows they used to have and this so reminded me of it Mm. and vera drew is just there's just so much personality i really hope hot topic picks her up as a brand ambassador, but she's basically talking about all the things she's going to do if she becomes a brand ambassador. And she has this whole skit about the, like the Illuma, Illuminati spelled N-A-U-G-H-T-Y palette. And like the thing that slayed me was when she was like, I am basically a Lydia Dietz in an Othos in Otho's body and I was like oh my goodness the whole thing is just pure genius and so fun 
And and um, I don't think I mentioned before that Vera Drew is a trans person. So I feel like we all just need to support Vera in this endeavor. And you have to watch the video. It's so funny. (laughs) I was just losing it. I think I sent it to like 14 people. I was like, (laughs) y'all, the AV club picked her up. um, And I've been checking on her Twitter, etc. every now and then. And she has not yet become a Hot Topic ambassador. So, you know, give Vera a follow. Watch the video. It's amazing. She is indeed a dark and scary woman who deserves to be an ideal brand ambassador. Like, I endorse this message. Uh, I would actually maybe set foot into a Hot Topic again. I will. This (laughs) This is the part where I confess that they're doing a lot of good franchise clothing. Like, they have had some amazing Harry Potter stuff and, like, Marvel and DC stuff. Um, And so I have not set foot in a store, but I have shopped their online store in the past year. Mm. Not going to lie. So I apologize to all of your wallets. (laughs) Now I'm so (laughs) sorry. But they really, I have this excellent pair of, like, Ravenclaw sweatpants that are my favorite, and that's where they came from. So anyway, okay, this is our tie to SFF. Is yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, Jen. Good franchise clothing. Okay, uh, they had they were having a Loki like sweater jacket cape thing also that came <gasps> out not oh, maybe last year when or was it two years ago? Anyway, it doesn't matter. That was beautiful. <laughs> I just barely resisted buying it, y'all. I'm not even going to lie. Okay, all right. Now on okay. to <laughs> our next thing, which is, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this trailer yet, Sharifa. I did not. But I'm but so I'm excited about it. I will tell you and our listeners about it. So Netflix has a show called Letter for the King that is coming very soon now. It starts on March 20th, so we only have a couple more weeks to wait. And it is a fantasy about a teenage knight in training who is handed a secret letter that's like going to determine the fate of the kingdom. And he's sent off on this quest to deliver the letter to the king. And he is a young person of color. He's played by Amir Wilson. And it's like a diverse teen night squad who are going to have magical adventures together. Like I (laughs) was losing my mind when I was watching this trailer. There's like so much representation on the screen already just in this, you know, two minute trailer. And there's girls with swords and there's people of color and there's like funny jokes and, you know, very like grim adults and horses and epic scenery. And I am just so excited for this to come to my TV screen. Like I, it cannot come soon enough. I'm so ready for whatever this is. It is apparently based on a book that oh. I have not read nor heard of. But yeah, The Letter for the King is a book. So that makes it bookish. Ta-da. <laughs> not that we require <laughs> that. But um, and I haven't read the book, so I don't know like if Netflix has, you know, updated the representation. But I will tell you that you all need to watch this trailer. It looks like so much fun. 
Oh my goodness, I'm going to watch it right after we get off the call. Is it most, is it like, I don't know if you already mentioned this, <clears throat> is it mostly like teenagers or? So the teenagers oh, yeah, are teenagers. the main characters, but there are like adults who are like telling them what they should and should not do and threatening them and whatnot. So as usual. As usual. Adults. I know, stupid <laughs> adults. They're so dumb. <laughs> Always getting in the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks super fun. I'm really uh. jazzed about it. So, and I mean, it just feels like, especially right now with the state of the world, like it would be really nice to have a fun, sort of enjoyable thing that doesn't require us to, you know, use our brains for too much. That would be <laughs> like, really nice. Can't we just have something nice? And this this seems like it's going to be something nice. We'll see how it actually is, but the trailer is highly promising. So again, that is Letter for the King. It's coming on Netflix on March 20th. Watch the trailer. The link is in the show notes. So exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm going to get... This is a pretty brief bit of news uh, for all of my fellow Practical Magic fans. And this comes from Alice Hoffman, who is such a prolific writer. I literally do not know where she finds the time to write all of these books. But we're getting another book about the Owenses. Mm-hmm. And it is called Magic Lessons. And this is another prequel. So Rules of Magic came out uh, most recently. I loved that book. I read it and it took us back in time um, to, I think it was around like the 60s it started in. But this goes even further back in time. And if you've read any of Alice Hoffman's other books, you know that she's a really great historical fiction writer. And so I'm really excited about that because we're going back to Maria Owen's story, the origin of this, this curse uh, upon the Owens sisters. So I'm really excited because Maria Owens was always this sort of mysterious, mythical figure in these two books, uh, Practical Magic and the Rules of Magic, and you knew that things kind of originated with her and that she was scorned and all of this horrible stuff happened, but now we get like a fully realized story about Maria Owens, and I'm, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for it. When Alice Hoffman announced it, it was to reveal the cover, or at least that's the first time I heard of it, so... The cover is gorgeous, and Mm. you can bet I am going to get my hands on it as soon as possible. It's already up for pre-order, it looks like, so if you're a pre-order person, definitely check it out. It's linked um, in Alice Hoffman's Instagram post, which will be linked in the show notes. Very exciting. So exciting. I have a quick one also. This is because it would be too hard to sum this up. This is just like a sort of important reading pitch for a piece from Tor.com called Hope Punk and the New Science of Stress by Rebecca Diem, which I read and it made me feel so seen and also had some really interesting science in it. So obviously... We all think a lot about stress right now. (laughs) There's a lot of stressful things happening in the world between, you know, the coronavirus and the election cycle and just general life is already stressful enough. Like, it's just a lot. There's a lot going on. And 
There, uh, DM cites research in here from a book called The Upside of Stress by Professor Kelly McGonigal, which includes two other models of stress response, because I think we're all familiar with like fight or flight and also freeze. But there's apparently a tend and befriend response that's very like, you know, Mr. Rogers, look for the helpers kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and DM is kind of tying that thought in with the uh, resurgence of this idea of hope punk books where, you know, there's found family, there's optimism, just because there's conflict doesn't mean that it's like, you know, it's the opposite of grimdark, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. what it is. And I bought three books after reading this piece, (laughs) not gonna lie. She does a great job of pitching a few books that I had never heard of before. And so I just want to share... That with y'all, in case you are also feeling stressed, Rebecca Diem has some thoughts for you and some books mm-hmm. for you. So, yeah, the link is in the show notes. And thank you to Rebecca Diem and Tor.com for making that part of my life. I appreciate it. Oh, this sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. I am at once, I, I almost cannot look at it because <laughs> I literally just convinced myself to buy books I didn't necessarily need <laughs> because I have no room. Yeah. I have to read this because I feel like I need more of this in my life for sure. You can always get things from the library is the thing I keep forgetting. But you know, that's real. Yes. Yes. Thank you for the reminder. A lot of people are are slowly putting their wallets back in their (laughs) Okay. Well, before we get to talking about urban science fiction and fantasy, I'm going to tell you about our second sponsor which is A Queen in Hiding by Sarah Kozloff, and this comes to us from Tor Books. Four books, four months, nine realms. Debut author Sarah Kozloff offers a breathtaking and cinematic epic fantasy of a ruler coming of age in A Queen in Hiding, first in the quartet of the Nine Realms series. Exiled and hunted, Cerulea, princess of Weirindale, knows she has one destiny. Her enemies fail to kill her and no one is harboring and no one harboring her is safe. Raised in obscurity, she has no resources, no army, nothing that can help her against her enemies except their gods. This is described as a cinematic, epic, coming-of-age fantasy. It has crossover appeal for YA readers who enjoy the work of Sarah J. Moss, Kendari Blake, and Kristen K. Shore. Um, and it sounds fantastic. So if that's up your alley, definitely check out A Queen in Hiding by Sarah Kozloff. And that's, again, from Tor Books. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. Okay, let's talk about our picks for today's show. And I'm going to start off with science fiction, which was apparently the easiest title for me to find. And <laughs> <laughs> my science fiction pick is... Riot Baby. This one's by Tochi Onyebuchi. And it's a recent release. It was out in January. I patted myself on the back a little for reading books that actually came out um, in the same month. So (laughs) (laughs) this one is set briefly on the West Coast in South Central Los Angeles, and then it shifts over to Harlem, New York. And I admit that when I read the synopsis for this book back when we were talking about our anticipated reads, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but I knew it would be heavy. And 
I then looked at the book and I was like, oh, I'm going to get through this so quickly. Like, this is going to be a one-sit read easily. And it was not. (laughs) (laughs) I had to put that book down so many times because heavy is just scratching the surface of the tone. So suffice it to say that this book comes with basically all the trigger warnings. So just brace yourself because I definitely had to. The story follows siblings, Ella and Kev, and Ella is the older sister. She's born with this gift that, I don't know, I don't think you can really call it a gift maybe, but it's linked to violence against the black community. She has this, she has a sort of predictive power that burdens her with this really terrible sorrow as she's growing up and when she really can't even understand or unpackage it. And it leads to this great anger she has in her adult years. And then her little brother, Kev, is born during, like, literally smack in the middle of the L.A. riots. And in case you don't remember, the L.A. riots happened in the 90s in L.A., in the early 90s. And it was where Rodney King was assaulted by police officers who were acquitted and then riots broke out. Um, after the verdict dropped. And I vaguely remember it because I was living in LA at the time and everybody was talking about it, but I was really young. So I also, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. I just know there's this like feeling of fear and anger in the air. So mm-hmm. that that tone was really familiar in the beginning of this story. And it come, it's carried throughout the story, starting with Kev's birth uh, and on through his and Ella's adulthood. So the situation that happens is that the system fails Kev and he's incarcerated. And that's really when the story begins with Ella trying to figure out what to do with her powers, especially in light of what she sees all around her and through Kev's treatment in the prison itself. And and Kev's experiences in prison barely surviving So it shifts between what's happening with Ella and what's happening with Kev. But for the most part, actually, which I didn't expect, a lot of the book was centered around Kev's experiences being incarcerated. And the book approaches a lot of the systemic problems that affect Black people and Ella's revelations and what she shows Kev were really, really hard to read. And all the while, you know that there's this feeling that it's bound to come to a head because Ella has this power and what does she do with it? And the question is whether they can live with so much anger. And with Ella, the anger seems to generate this power to retaliate, but it also can get away from her. And sometimes, you know, it gets misdirected. And so she's also afraid of herself and what she's capable of. So needless to say, the story was really, it was sparse, but it was really powerful. And there's a lot of violence. There's police brutality. And also Onyabuchi doesn't hold back on language. So there are racial slurs. Um, so just expect, just, just know that that's happening going in. It's a really hard, really necessary read. And it's probably one of the most visceral treatments of Black trauma I've come across. But it was also really cathartic the way Onyabuchi leaned all the way into that. So just take a deep breath and then pick up Riot Baby again. That's by Tochi Onyabuchi. Woo. 
Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a lot. <laughs> I really loved the first book in his fantasy series, um, which like dealt Wait. with some stuff, but what sounds nearly not as heavy. Yeah, that's actually a good thing to mention because I, I feel like people who came across because that was YA, right? Yeah, it's YA. I feel mm-hmm. like people who who read that might come across this book and think that it's it's along the same lines, but I don't think no. this is not that. It does not, not sound that. like it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good to know. Note to self. Yes. Yes. Um, so yes, yeah, so my urban science fiction pick, and I guess I should just like say that I re- I literally was just thinking about science fiction that takes place in a city but uh, even more than that I guess it's not just that it just that where the city uh is has like a very big impact on the plot or is sort of a character as a big part of the the story um and my pick is Famous Men Who Never Lived by Kay Chess which came out last year from Tin House I think the paperback is coming soon perhaps anyway it's real good y'all it is fascinating it takes place in new york city and it is a parallel universe story in which uh there is an alternate united states an alternate timeline where helen the main character who goes by hell um and vikram who is her partner at the start of the book uh they come from this alternate united states where scientists their scientists have discovered a way to make a portal in the dimensions uh and in this alternate united states they're like on the brink of nuclear war it's looking very bad and they sort of are figuring that you know they're all gonna die so now is the time to try to get people out so they do. They send a bunch of refugees into basically our version of the United States. And so Hell and Vikram are among them and are trying to figure out, like, you know, they're in the same city, but it's definitely not the same city. The slang and technology are different. You know, this timeline doesn't have interdimensional travel or know how to reproduce it so nobody can go mm-hmm. back. Um, they're pretty sure that everybody on the other side of the portal, which is now closed, are dead. There's only like 144,000 of them. The politics and the art are different. Everything is everything is completely different. And some of the refugees are trying to assimilate. They get jobs. Um, They're also all facing a lot of bigotry and prejudice from people in the, you know, timeline who are just like, you don't belong here, basically. Like, Mm. hmm, I wonder (laughs) what that must be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I wonder what that could be about. Um, So they're experiencing a lot of difficult things. And one of the cool things about this book is that you get these little interviews or stories from different refugees, even though really there are only like two POV characters, Helen Vikram, but they're interspersed with these little slices of life from some of the other refugees who all undergo very different things and have some of them really dark experiences. Um, so, oh, right. This is a good point to do the trigger warnings for this book, which mm-hmm. include assault, bigotry and separation from a child and also elder harm. Um and the book sort of centers around Hell's quest to start a, an art exhibit 
of these artifacts that some of the refugees brought over that only existed in their timeline and not in this new timeline they find themselves in. And she's particularly obsessed with this book called The Pyronauts, um, which is by an author who in, you know, the New York she's in now died as a child and never wrote anything. But in uh, her New York and in her world was like a like a canonical touchstone author. And she like is trying to find a museum to support this. And then she loses this book that is so much more than just a book to her. And everything kind of spirals out from there. It's a little bit of a whodunit. It's a very much a character study. It's a really interesting meditation on, you know, what an alternate dimension might look like and also what refugees experience. There's just so much going on in this book. And I really loved it. Hell is so prickly and determined and, you know, she's like making these choices. And I I think some people might call her unlikable. I liked her just fine. (laughs) Uh, But I think that it's just really real. It's like this is what it looks like to be cut off from your family and your moorings and to be to feel so alone in a city and like know that you can't go home and to try to create a new home. Like, how do you do that? What does that mean? So it's just really, really good. She's also recovering from the effects of a mugging um, that happened in her timeline. And so, you know, she's going through a lot. And I just really found this book so well done. So well done. Uh, So again, that's Famous Men Who Never Lived by Kay Chess. It's always interesting Mm. to examine uh, what is considered an unlikable character. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I mean, she's deeply flawed, which like, who isn't? And, (laughs) And like, what characters are not? So and I, you know, I think we're sort of past that conversation, but then it crops up every now and again. And I'm just like, well, I guess I'll just keep talking about my deeply flawed, morally complex female characters and how much I love them. (laughs) They're so great. Yeah, That sounds amazing. Okay, well, my fantasy pick is The Hazel Wood by Melissa Albert. And this is definitely one where the magical world starts to invade the what we know of as the real world so this is also a really great story if you're into fairy tales especially of the dark and twisted nature which i very much am into and most of the story is set in brooklyn and this is where 17 year old alice and her mother wind up after moving yet again pursued by uh, what Alice only knows of as bad luck. But it's obvious that maybe it's not just bad luck. And Alice's whole life has been about packing up and moving. She loves her mom, but they've had a really, really unstable life. She's had a, a childhood that is basically like she she never had a place that she could call home. And her family is full of secrets, starting with her grandmother, Althea Prosser-Pine, who's this author who gained a cult following after she published Tales from the Hinterland, which is a book even Alice isn't privy to. And Alice and the rest of the world also doesn't, they don't know what happened to Althea, who just up and disappeared one day. And just as life starts to take the shape of something like normalcy for Alice, Alice's mother is snatched away and that sets into motion this search for 
this book, Tales from the Hinterland, and this journey to unravel the mystery of the Hazelwood, which is the estate where Althea lived. And then Alice's search ends up getting her tangled with this boy from her school whose name is Ellery Finch, who's this funny, quirky character. And he's also this Althea Proserpine super fan. And he's just helpful enough. Like, Alice is very irritated with him in the beginning, but he's just helpful <laughs> enough. Who wouldn't be a little bit irritated with somebody who's your family's, like, somebody in your family's super fan yeah. and won't be quiet about it. But uh, they're really funny together, and he's really helpful uh, because he knows all about, like, every random scrap of information there is to know about Althea, even though there isn't that much, and Tales from the Hinterland. He just knows. And so Alice and Ellery end up running around the city looking for this book and trying to search for clues about what could have happened to Althea, what could have happened to her mother, and where this book is because Alice is certain it's all connected. And they end up plumbing like dusty used bookstores and meeting really strange people from forums for Althea's fans. And then Alice learns some of the stories from Ellery. Uh, because they were sort of passed around in this weird viral way. So you have these twisted fairy tales interspersed with the main story, and they're really creepy and really moody. And it starts to become apparent that these aren't just bedtime stories for nightmare fodder, because Alice starts to see their connection to her own life. And these fairy tales, in certain ways, start to invade the city. They start to show up around Brooklyn, and some of the strange and shifty characters she remembers from childhood, and even more disturbingly, some of the sort of shadowy people she catches glimpses of as she and Ellery make their moves, she starts to kind of make these connections and see them all around her. So this is a really atmospheric read with sort of gritty realism threaded through fantasy. I think if you like Holly Root, for instance, you would want to pick up this book. Alice is kind of an, an old soul type character, and Ellery is this really gregarious, upbeat type who's her perfect foil. And the story is is my kind of cozy. It's dark but magical, and it has that weird sort of familiarity that you sometimes find in fantasy stories. And it's really interesting take on Alice's adventures in Wonderland, if you hadn't guessed that from her name, and it's a much more contemporary take. But this first book, this is the first book in the series, and it's much more about the search for um, Melissa Albert's version of Wonderland rather than being in Wonderland um, the whole time the story is happening. So if you're looking for a really good rainy day read, I really recommend The Hazelwood again by Melissa Albert. And the second book, The Night Country, was just, uh, it just came out in January. So you can move right along. I'm not sure if that's the last book in the series, but I see there's a book 2.5 planned for next year, and it is literally called Tales from the Hinterland, so I expect <laughs> it to be a collection of dark fairy tales, um, and I love those those little stories, those chapters in the book, so I'm really excited about that one. And again, I've been talking about Melissa Albert's The Hazelwood. 
I just realized that we have a very New York City focused show. That's funny. <laughs> by I accident. Guess that's the place to be. <laughs> yeah, it is a very magical place, clearly, um, because my fantasy pick also takes place in mostly in Brooklyn. Uh, it is Half Resurrection Blues by Daniel Jose Older, which is, yes, something that has been out for a minute, but I feel like people forget. And this was my first exposure to Daniel Jose Older's writing, and I love it, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, If you haven't read it, it is a really great example of, I think, sort of a new wave of diverse urban fantasy because it takes place in, you know, sort of deep Brooklyn where, you know, everybody knows everybody on their block and it hasn't yet been gentrified or like is just starting to face that down. And like, you know, the port- the gate in um, Prospect Park is like a big portal to, you know, alternate dimensions, which is or like the underworld, which is super fun. Mm -hmm. And I just loved the way that, like the glimpse of a different kind of New York that you get in this book, both because it's magical and because it's a side of New York that hasn't been written about extensively, especially I think in fantasy. And um, the main character, Carlos, is like only half dead. It's kind of weird. He thinks he's maybe the only one where he, you know, is has been partially resurrected from death. He really doesn't remember who he was before he came back, as it were. And he was recruited by New York's Council of the Dead uh, to be an agent to go around and deal with supernatural threats. And some sorcerer has let loose a plague of these sort of imp beings on the city. And they are taking out other uh, Council of the Dead agents. So Carlos is sort of desperate to stop this. And he's trying to do, you know, just so much because he's sort of the last man standing at this point. And he also meets a woman who is very interesting and who is like him, perhaps very intriguing. She's amazing for the record. (laughs) Um, And this is the first in a series. And I do think it has a fairly satisfying ending. But, you know, there's more where that came from. There's also a bunch of novellas that take place in this world. It's really so enjoyable. It moves really quickly. The characters are great. Like, it's it's very much just a just a great like well plotted actiony urban fantasy and i think that you know if you haven't already picked it up you definitely should so again that is half resurrection blues by daniel jose older i bought that book for my dad for fathers day oh. a few years ago <laughs> i was like nostalgia that's awesome (laughs) what a good dad book gift i thought so i thought so too i'm glad you think so Mm -hmm. and that's it for our show that was a fun that was fun to talk about and thank you so much for listening you can of course email us as usual at sff yeah at bookriot.com Please also do review us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your thoughts, and it helps people find us. Uh, You can find us online. Where can they find you, Jen? I am on Twitter as Jen IRL. That's Jen with two N's, IRL. And on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. 
And you can find me on Instagram at Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And that's it for our show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>